afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program's designed for someone just like me. There's a lot I don't understand. Not necessarily something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been in the back of my mind for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, sometimes just a casual front porch style talk with a pastor is the best way to understand it. That's what this program is all about. Now, today's guest is Bill Swirla of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. I have my questions. I am sure you have yours. Now, you can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org or call during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, that's area code 314 8210850. Now that includes the Metro East. Anywhere in North America, toll free, you can call in at 800 730 2727. Bill, welcome to the front porch. Back. I'm, you know, I didn't have you turn your, your pot turned on here. My mistake. Welcome we to the just front porch. about that. Am I, have, <laughs> am I on the porch now? Yeah, you're on the porch now. Sorry about that. I accidentally <laughs> great, kicked you off. Yeah. Great to be back. It's funny. We were just talking about that before we came on, on the air, and you mentioned, well, until we're on, I can't really tell. So I'm on. Okay, good. Yeah, you're on, and uh, the meter says you're pretty good. Pretty uh, good. Yeah. I'll, I'll, pretty, that's, I, I shoot for pretty good. You know, I, keep keep the expectations kind of middling and everything is fine yeah you, you find that that happens sometimes <laughs> you know um uh, i meant to tell you that i have got a pot of uh of a west coast red fermenting downstairs in my basement that and, would be one of your beers yeah yeah west a, red, coast a red ale red yeah a red, a, ale. A red ale it's it's something uh it's got a caramely flavor to it. In fact, it's even infused with a special uh, caramel, uh, uh, caramel, uh, uh, caramelized grains. Excuse me. And mm. I've got four different hops in it. And uh, I'm going to check the uh, tomorrow's benefit. I'm going to check to see if the fermentation stopped. And if it has, I'm going to bottle that sucker. Well, I think the next time in Saint, I'm in St. Louis, I'm going to have to sample some of that. That's entirely possible. That would be great. Well, are you going to bring any of your bread? Uh, I can. I bread has it. Bread is funny, you know. Remember, the man in the wilderness had a a, a one day shelf life, except on Sabbath, awesome. and it had miraculous two day shelf life. But uh, bread, bread is kind of like that. When when Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread, he knows his bread making. That uh, bread has about forty eight hour to fifty six hour shelf life. Beyond which intervention is necessary. So it doesn't, my way of saying it doesn't transport really well, though rise do. Rise kind of, I think they're better the second day than they are right, you know, fresh out of the oven. So speaking of rye, I had uh, at one of my local watering holes here, a place called uh, the Craft Beer Cellar, Craft Beer Cellar, excuse me. Uh, they had this marvelous rye wine you know you, there's such a thing as barley wine i don't know if you've ever heard of that uh, yeah i've heard of bar i've never heard of rye wine uh i hadn't either but they actually mm. had it there and it, it's it's similar to a barley wine uh and it was just incredible i couldn't believe how good that was the, now why do they call it wine rather than say beer uh because it has a very high alcohol level of about oh. uh, 10 to 12 percent and it's usually done w uh, with uh, champagne yeast rather than ale yeast 
Yeah, hmm. that's funny because I, I normally don't wouldn't associate a grain based uh, beverage with wine. So you have like fruit fruit wines. So other than grape, but the commonality amongst all of them is that it's fruit. Once you get into grain, I'm thinking beer, but you're talking high alcohol content. Though, yeah, huh? yeah, we are, because uh, huh. you know the the like uh, lager yeast, for example, has a relatively low tolerance to alcohol, and so you can't really get a lager much more than about four or five percent. Right, then they'll give up on you. They get lazy. Yeah, or they de- do. Or dead, really. Yeah. I think. And it kills ale them. will go up to maybe about eight percent or so. Mm-hmm. But you know, getting higher than that, you've got to use a specialized yeast. And champagne. So they use yeast, the. Yeah. They use the wine-making yeast. I used to have some champagne yeast around for another purpose, not not for bread-making. but uh, And bread yeast is different again. Ah. Bread yeast used to be beer yeast. Baker's yeast used to be the yeast that they got from the uh, brewmaster next door. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a very close affinity between the bread makers and the beer makers. So we, we're we're tight. We our our people have been tight for centuries. Oh, oh yeah. Well, we call <laughs> we call beer liquid bread. Yeah, and rightly so. It is indeed. So I, that's that's what I tell my wife all the time. I'm just having some bread, dear. <laughs> so what's on your mind today? What are you thinking about these? Well, days? I'll tell you. You know, people get the blues, the blahs. Oh, the blues. But sometimes it gets even worse than that. And mm. uh, I was reading a study not too long ago that said in about the last 10 years, clinical depression in the United States has increased by about 30%. And this got me to wondering, what are we talking about here? Now, we know depression is is pretty well determined, at least one, one branch of it, a clinical depression. Uh, is is has a medical cause. We know that there's a chemical imbalance that to an extent can be offset through medication. Although, of course, I think therapy and other things help uh, a great deal as well. But there's also the spiritual aspect of it. And I keep wondering, you know, if I was in a situation where I was starting to really feel a, a, a depression you know, or I was out of it for some reason, would I approach my pastor? Would I approach a doctor? Would I even recognize those symbols, those symptoms? And what? Yeah, and I think maybe the first question is: Would I approach anyone? That and one, you know, one of the one of the things about depression is that it it isolates, and you really, really don't want to leave the house. You don't want to talk to anybody, uh, and as best you are able, and some are better able than others, you tend to hide it. So, um, you know, I think of people, and maybe one of the reasons that the, the diagnoses have increased over the years is the prominence of celebrities who clearly fought those demons, Robin Williams being one, mm. Anthony Bourdain perhaps being another. Uh, there are any number of prominent celebrity types uh, whose names we know and whose lives we think we know. Uh, who turned out to have turned out to have uh, some very very deep periods of depression, and <clears throat> in one way or another, managed to mask it, or at least keep it out of the public eye. And and some people are able to do that for a long time, especially if you are in a public uh, vocation, even pastor. I I think people would be surprised at the number of pastors who suffer from depression at one level or another, and some can pretty much carry on their work, more or less. Uh, others, it becomes debilitating. Hello there, Bill. Am I back again? Did You're I cut back out? Now. Yeah, you just suddenly cut out. 
<clears throat> where did you where did you lose me? What what profound thought have you missed? Well, you you were just talking about how the number you'd be surprised at the number of uh, of pastors who uh, yes yeah no that's fine just just to basically say and, and that's an example of a vocation that's in the public eye where you have to be up you have to be upbeat you're dealing with people who may be depressed themselves and so. <laughs> And you don't want to sort of uh, come crawling in with your own issues too, and that's that's very difficult. I do know, and and even personally, I experience a a large uh, swing of ups and downs. Most of it can be traceable to either things that I'm doing or not doing, or things that are being done that that depress me. I, I call that sort of uh, circumstantial depression. In other words, if somebody were to ask why are you depressed, I could probably cite a half a dozen reasons of things that are just depressing that I can't fix or that I'm wrestling with or struggling with. Um, but there's also that other side, and that's the clinical medical uh, depression, which oddly, as far as I know, and, and my comments here are strictly at a lay level, but I, I don't believe there are any objective diagnostic tools for depression. Unlike if you have some disease, if you have something, they you know do a blood test. If you have diabetes, you know you you look for certain things in your mm -hmm. blood, and they go, "Aha, you have type two diabetes." But there is no such thing, no such blood test or anything yet uh, for clinical depression. Although there's a dawning understanding of the neural receptors in the brain that uh, govern our moods, and that's where. Uh, some of the drugs that are available come into play. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, the diagnosis for depression is do you respond favorably to antidepressants? <laughs> so it's kind of a, it's a negative diagnosis. And that makes it tricky and sometimes dangerous, too. Well, one thing I think we need to, to work out here is an actual definition. What's the difference between the blahs and the blues, which everyone gets, to an actual depression well, I think it, 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 as far as as I have read and and what I'm aware of, just as somebody who is a you know pastor and and you do deal with you, you do have people who are um, dealing with depression is it, it's a oftentimes a a matter of severity that is does the does does it create um, negative consequences in your life? You can't get out of bed in the morning. You have no appetite. You have no desire. You're, you're, you're just you're you're literally a passenger in your own life. Uh, you don't engage other people. Now, for some people like me, that's kind of like normal. But, <laughs> but um, you, know, you know, in other words, it's different from your ba your typical baseline, and you just really don't have the energy to even face the most minute details of a day. Uh, those are clear warning warning signs. Sleeping too much, sleeping not enough, eating too much or not enough, usually not enough, um, not able to go to work, not able to encounter people. Um, and uh, the descriptions that I've heard from people who have really suffered, uh, the, the, the blackness can be very black, can be very, very deep. Thoughts of suicide, uh, thoughts of the world would be better off without me. My loved ones would be better off if I weren't around. I, my life has no meaning. Uh, these kinds of things. Uh, I, I think you know. Whenever you even get a glimpse of that, it's it's good to good to check in and talk with others. Toss out a lifeline or two because we can't. We can, none of none of us can go this alone anyway. See, but but I think it's a matter of severity and also. Um, acute versus chronic. There are circumstances that are depressing. You know, you you lose a loved one 
spouse dies, child dies, or, or is very sick or something. That's depressing. You, you wouldn't be normal if you weren't depressed. Um, state of the news. If you watch too much of the nightly news these days or read the newspaper, this could drive you into deep depression. Uh, would that be clinical depression? Probably not. Though there's a funny mind-body connection, too. The, the thoughts we think affect the chemistry of our brain, and the chemistry of our brain affects the thoughts we think and the feelings that we have. So it's not strictly a one-way street. And uh, that's where I think it's kind of be, it's kind of good to be careful about what sort of things we expose our brain to on a constant on a constant basis. But once you find that you are trapped, um, then I think you need to seek some some intervention, some outside uh, input. I think one of, the, one of the blacker, one of the more insidious aspects of depression is I think that the uh, sufferers don't really recognize what they're going through. They know that they're feeling I, uh, bad, but they don't quite understand that it, it, it is a depression and, uh, and that it can be helped. I don't know, but I, I think I would, I would put it this way. I, I think they do, but I think they think that there is no way out. In other words, there is no point. There's no point in talking to anybody. There's no point in scheduling an appointment with a doctor or, somebody, or talking to the pastor or just a close friend. Because nothing will help, you know. It's it's this uh, it's this feeling of despair that I'm just in this hole and there's no getting out of it. This this is this is where I'm going to be, and uh, that's and that just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Uh, some people describe the world kind of going in slow motion. It's like you're walking through a very thick, viscous fluid, so that you're not really connected with your world. You're hearing words and you're speaking them, and you hear yourself speaking them, but you're just a little bit you're a little bit removed from what we would call reality or something like that. The, the, there are all kinds of little subjective things uh, that are going on uh, with the brain. Some of it is protective if you've experienced a very um, sudden, deep, intense, emotional kind of thing, your brain kind of sort of protects you a little bit and kind of throttles things down, and that can look like depression, too. I think one of the first things that people think or suspect that they might be depressed is go see your doctor and make sure you don't have something like a thyroid problem. And there are certain certain things, uh, low blood sugar, uh, thyroid issues, hormonal mm. issues that can also make you feel fatigued and and achy and depressed and not wanting to get out of bed, can't stay awake. Uh, and it, it may seem to you as you're suffering from some sort of, some form of depression when in fact you have some kind of uh, biochemical that thing happens going to on. my wife. She has a thyroid issue. Yeah. And yeah. and a lot of the symptoms when her, her medication changes or or her body changes in, in terms of the thyroid gland, uh, really uh, come very, very close to depressive symptoms. I look at things in talking to people and, and even just looking at myself sometimes, <clears throat> I look at things like, is it acute? That is, is it, does it go away like in a day or so, week? Uh, or is it chronic? Is this just the, the background of life? And you can't remember a time when you weren't like that. Uh, so that's one thing. Is it circumstantial? Can you point to reasons? If you were to ask me at any given time, but why are you in such a bad mood? If I can tell you, that's much more circumstantial. If I can't, if I can't, I say I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. That's a little different. See that, and that may point to a medical 
uh, or psychological issue, something like that. Again, mind-body are, are so tight and so intertwined. I don't think we'll ever be able to, to, to divide those two. It's like, you know, joint and marrow, as the Bible says about the two-edged word of God. I don't think, well, we're so, such complex creatures in that way that I don't think we'll ever be able to separate them. But I'm always surprised from medical science how much of our emotional life is governed by our biochemistry which oh, yeah. we're just beginning to understand. Or just beginning to realize what we don't understand. <laughs> yeah, really. And and that kind of leads to sort of the next thing as as believers, as as uh as people of faith, uh it's sometimes it, we sometimes view this as a signal of a lack of faith or a spiritual crisis because again, uh spirit and body and mind those can't be easily separated either. You know, God has joined these things together. And so they are, when we physically feel bad, we also spiritually feel bad, don't feel like praying, we don't feel like going to church, we don't feel like doing anything, really. And so it's all kind of woven together, and sometimes the believer may get into this notion that they've lost their salvation, they've lost their faith, Um, and that would be a mistake, see, because uh, that's where I think the Psalms are helpful. Like Psalm 42, why are you cast down, O my soul? You know, when you read the Psalms out loud, a lot of the psalmists, and oftentimes it's David, uh, they sound depressive. They sound like they've got a depression (laughs) issue. And maybe they have. You know, is it chronic or is it acute? Is it circumstantial or is this kind of the norm for them? Um, Very often they don't state why they're depressed. In fact, they're questioning, why are you cast down, O my soul? I don't understand this. Uh, and yet they do their own version of talk therapy and and it's always hope in the lord and it's always a reminder of what the lord has done in the past as the maker of all things and the redeemer of israel and the one who keeps his promises and so there's a a continual remembrance of faith reminding oneself that the lord is faithful and that he's not out there, but he's right there in the midst of things, right in our pit uh, of of you know depression and despair too. So the Psalms are a great uh, instructive for those who are uh, cast down, for those who are you know in the pit, well, out as, of the depths. A, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. Uh, you know that's that's the pits, man. That's as low as it gets. Well, as a pastor, have you had? Uh Members of your congregation ask for counseling, saying, "You know, I'm 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 losing hope, or I'm I'm losing my way." Has someone come up to you and actually asked for your your help as a pastor? In that sure, uh, but I would add not not as often as perhaps I would like, and and I wonder sometimes whether you sometimes I as a pastor or maybe more you know generally we as pastors kind of don't want to go there <laughs> um because it is it is a very there are no there's no there's no easy answer there's no solution there's no band-aid or pill or anything uh you know it'd be nice to say hey go to the lord's supper and you'll instantly feel better or pray this prayer and the clouds are going to lift but they don't and that can be frustrating too because then people say see your religion doesn't work uh, I felt I felt bad. I came to you. We prayed, and then things got worse. Uh, and quite truthfully, that's kind of the way it's portrayed in the scriptures. Really, there there is no no uh, no quick and easy fix for these things. So I think sometimes we as pastors sort of avoid it because we can't fix it. 
But the reality is we're not called to fix it. We're called no. to to be fellow pilgrims in it, to be compassionate and to uh, accompany others and pray with others in their time um, where they walk through the dark valley. You know, we call it what we call life in in uh, the catechism, in the, in the Lord's Prayer. It's a veil of tears, a valley of sorrow, the dark valley. So we're fellow pilgrims. And uh, Christ has gone ahead of us. Don't think our Lord wasn't depressed in the garden. Oh, huh? that would be a good lesson to to tell someone. You know, yeah, right. Well, you know, try try bearing the sin of the world on your shoulder and see if that doesn't kind of weigh you down a little bit. Not to say you know, just suck it up; it'll be fine. But to say that our Lord understands these things that Christ Christ knows He knows the depths literally better than anybody because He's been there for us. So we're not alone down at the bottom. Well, as a pastor, uh, is it Part of your job, you think, to observe your congregation to see if you, if any of them seem to be off their feed, and maybe suggest to them that that we should talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is your staff, your your family, your parishioners, um, and in a sense, because of because of our vocation, we we do have a certain number of senses uh, that have been honed for that, where you are kind of tuned in. You know, we're supposed to be Zalesorger, that is, you know, physicians of the soul. And like every physician, we're always looking at symptoms diagnostically. It's not just, oh, he's mad at me, but why is he, you know, I wonder why he's mad. Why is he mad at me? Um, what's making him angry? Or he looks down today, or she doesn't look herself. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm going to say as a pastor, it's, it's hard sometimes to approach people that way because we have conditioned ourselves to put on our Sunday best. I know I do professionally. You know, got to put on that smile and uh, everything is just rosy because, hey, it's Sunday and we're all together and the Lord is good and isn't wonderful to be here. But there's some people who are dragging in a load of stuff or even worse, the people who have such a load of stuff, they can't even drag it in. And uh, so, yeah, we, we I think it's part of our our work to watch over the flock in the sense of to to look at the ones that you know the sparkles kind of gone in their eye or they're just they don't seem to be uh plugged in and to just check in is everything okay is there anything or I maybe can pray? if they, they've even stopped coming to church you might a lot of times that's that's a that's a that's a warning sign of some kind of malaise uh, where they just just kind of check out and see, and that of course will then in their minds become a spiritual crisis, and I suppose it can be. But here's the thing: is one of the things about being depressed is you just don't want to leave the the four walls of your bedroom, or at the most the four walls of your house. You just want to be left alone, and you don't want to engage all those people in church. And for people who are depressed. Uh, congregational life can be very noisy and very intrusive and just it's an overload it's it's almost like being banged on the side of your head and and if people aren't sensitive to that or aware of that uh that can that can be trying too so yeah they stay away i could see that you know i, I you know i tend to be a little bit introverted in my in my personal life and uh, i don't really seek out company of other people yeah, I'm the same way. I'm I'm even though I'm talkative and I as I get older I seem to get more more extroverted. They say that they kind of flip with <laughs> with age. But you know, I naturally turn inward and when I'm sick, 
uh, just physically hurting, I like to be left alone. I like to say, if you hear that I'm in the hospital, please don't come visit me. I really, <laughs> really, really don't want it. Yeah, don't uh, be- baby me. Just leave me alone. No, no. And if I'm hurting, just really don't. Because I, I, I really it, I deal with pain and I deal with things by by a kind of an internal focus of things. Now, there are people on the absolute opposite end of that social spectrum that, that just they need to be distracted see so they love company they love when you bring the kids and the dogs to to the uh the hospital room even though the staff's not too keen on that you know and and i've seen that i've you know visited people and the guy next to me he's got like four generations of relatives and a dog uh you know bedside with him and (laughs) uh there's a lot you get that community support the energy the love and this is really important for some people so we're all kind of wired differently in in that regard too i wonder if if, if people who are the more uh, introverted and introspective may be a bit more prone to depression That's because they don't have those outward lifelines all the time. Extroverts tend to tend to have this deep network the, of, of they have people, you know, they have a team. They live their life like a team, uh, whereas we're kind of more solitary types, which I think leaves you vulnerable to the old evil foe. Well, and let's not leave the old evil foe out of this. Oh, no, I, no, no. I want to go back into him because I think that's, yeah. that's that's an aspect we really need to examine. Unfortunately, my foe right now is the bottom of the hour, which means Always. i got to take a break. And we'll be right back. Friday on Issues Etc., we'll discuss a new Pew poll on the diverse views of the religiously unaffiliated with Pastor Mark Wood. We'll talk about the power of imaginary friends on This Week in Pop American Christianity with Pastor Chris Rosebro, and we'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. This is the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. Hi, this is Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark. And this is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky. Matt, I'm trying to think what would be a good theme verse for uh, wrestling with the basics, like John 3.16? or well, I think I've got one, John. Yeah? Uh, how about Acts 2, verse 15? What is it? For these people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. That's perfect! All right, now, there's no time for foolishness. Wrestling, wrestling with, with the, the basics. basics. 9.05 Saturday mornings on KFUO. Where we take God's word seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. 
Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO. Playing KFUO radio. You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app. You can also go to the KFUO homepage. Wow, the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button. When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Don't forget about Facebook, Facebook.com slash KFUO radio. Now you're just acting like a know-it-all. Did you know that half of America's Jewish clergy volunteered as chaplains in World War II? 311 were selected to serve Jewish military personnel serving in the armed forces. One of whom was Captain Harold H. Gordon of the North Atlantic Division of the Air Transport Command. A Torah scroll that later became known as the Flying Torah was loaned to him by Beth Israel Synagogue in Bangor, Maine. During World War II, Captain Gordon flew over 75,000 miles, bringing the Torah to Jewish servicemen in his wing. The comic book, Chaplains at War, tells the story of Captain Harold H. Gordon and the Flying Torah, part of the extensive museum collections. Engage with the Bible in the story surrounding this book of all books. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. So let's talk. The pastor's in. I'm program host Kip Allen, and my guest pastor today is Bill Swirler, who's joining me on the front porch. And we are talking about depression, both the spiritual and the clinical aspects of it. And I tell you, if I don't get some listener calls on this, I'm going to get depressed. And just to remind you of how to do it, our phone number in the St. Louis area is area code 314. 8210850. Anywhere in North America, you can call in toll free at 1 800 730 2727. Okay, Bill, I'm thoroughly depressed now. Okay. Okay. Sorry yeah. to hear that. Yeah, well, oh well. But you know, it, we, we talked about the physiological aspects of depression. But, you know, there's got to be a spiritual aspect to it. You know, the. You know, th this this has got to be one of the one of the strongest tools that Satan can use to separate man from God. Well, you know, being being we're 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 bio we're we're like biological we're biological animals, but we're spiritual, which makes us a little different. And uh, so, there really isn't anything that isn't spiritual. Even if you catch cold, that's a spiritual thing too. That's why we when we get sick, we go to the doctor and we pray. Because we're spiritual creatures, and we we believe in prayer. We believe that God hears our prayers. We also believe that He answers them through the use of medicine and doctors, and occasionally, maybe, maybe, um, in spite of them or around them. But um, I think when it comes to emotional life, that's where we get kind of um, it, it. It gets a little murkier, and this is kind of funny. If you catch cold or flu. It isn't necessarily a spiritual crisis. You, you don't sit around saying, God doesn't love me. I have the flu. You know, if God loved me, I wouldn't have the flu. Maybe you do, but you probably don't. Um, but if you're depressed, then you are convinced that God has become your enemy. It's like Job. And, uh, and so because it's emotional, 
uh, emotional and spiritual lie very, very close at hand. Sometimes we get confused between the two. We think because we feel a certain way that that represents an objective truth about how we are before God. And the devil loves, I think, that ambiguity. He would love to just sit there and say, oh, see, you know, you're right. You should be depressed, you know, that God doesn't love you. You're on your own. You know, you, in fact, you deserve, you deserve this because look at what, well, look what a wretch you are. And so it's, it is kind of a, a vulnerable time when you're depressed, uh, because you are kind of shutting off the external means of support and the objective word always comes from outside of us, whether it be through the preached word or, uh, the comfort of a friend or the Lord's Supper, but all of these come from outside of us, and it's precisely outside of us that we don't want to go when we're depressed. So this isolated uh, thing is is a very dangerous time for the believer. It is, um, and, and one thing I did want to bring up here to our listeners is, you know, there, the Lutheran Child and Family Services does indeed do counseling. And this could be invaluable, you know, to the person of faith who is is suffering a crisis, who is who is suffering depression. Uh, you can actually go to a uh, a psychological professional who is Lutheran or who will will help you through that through the Lutheran Child and, and Family Services Organization. The 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 good thing about um, a psychologist, say, or a, a therapist who's who's tuned into this really well is that. I'm not going to say you can talk your way out of it. However, uh, by enlisting somebody else next to you, they can give you constructive things to begin to uh, work out of the hole and and to to regain yourself, your 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 yourself, where you are a service to your neighbor and you're using your gifts and and you're kind of oriented in your world well again sometimes sometimes uh drugs are helpful for that if it's if it's truly a chemical imbalance if your neural receptors are slow in the uptake no amount of happy thoughts is going to change that uh and sometimes like a crutch if you break a bone you need to walk uh, you need assistance in walking for a while until you regain health sometimes that's the key and and i would have people look at it that way don't think that don't think that drugs are are bad they are dangerous but uh don't think they're necessarily a bad thing because they can sometimes get enough clarity so that you can begin to look at things differently reason things differently act differently and you, as you and pointed that out will earlier you know, reinforce that answers are, answers our prayers through doctors absolutely absolutely and of course there is prayer there's the the consolation of the brothers there's the christian community there are there are uh pastors although pastors aren't necessarily always the solution here um I, i'm fascinated by religious people who are depressed uh because they they kind of present this contradiction to happy clappy christianity mm-hmm. where i think we have this expectation that if you know you got this joy 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 down in your heart all the time but you read read in the history of Christianity the the contemplative Christians who went through the what the so-called dark night of the soul, you know this is this is the out of the depths time. Uh, Saul, well, Saul is kind of a bad example because he kind of messed up. But but Saul was subject. The King Saul was subject to great depression, and and uh, he was comforted by David's music. 
David would play the lyre for him, and 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 he'd be comforted. Uh, but in our circles, Luther and Melanchthon both uh, seemed to go through long periods of depression. In fact, L- some of Luther's famous letters uh, that we quote all the time were written to his partner Melanchthon, and Melanchthon was known to be very melancholy. We would probably say clinically depressed today. I hesitate to do a historic diagnosis. That's really not good. <laughs> but every indication is Melanchthon uh, suffered greatly from, from melancholy or depression. And we, one of Luther's big advice is don't be alone. Seek the company of friends, sing songs, tell jokes, have a beer. Uh, but, but his big thing is don't be alone. Luther did not trust the solitary thing when it came to depression. Uh. You know, we do have, aha, my depression has been cured. We have a caller. <laughs> ah, there, see, so it's just yeah. circumstantial. Caller, Karen, you're on the line. Hi. How you doing? Hi, oh, Kip, I know, I met you on the phone. Hi. Uh, it was probably about a year ago. Yeah. And actually, fancy that, we talked about depression. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so anyhow, we didn't get a dog. Like, <laughs> but actually, my husband adopted a cat. Well, it's almost as good. Dogs are better, but yeah, yeah. I'm the cat so, person here, so. Oh, they are cool. They are cool is a good word for them too. <laughs> if they're mellow, yeah. If they're, you know, you got to kind of train them from little. Um, so I am just thrilled that you are talking about this subject. I don't know how often anybody talks about it and so i think i caught about 20 minutes of the show before the um little news break and um so i guess primarily i'm just saying how happy i am that you put it on and i have heard some things i think that are well not that are all new i'm not saying that i can remember um things that were new to me, but um, that reassurance that, for one, that you said work out of the hole, that it's possible, and um, some other things that I didn't know for sure, because it was like, I don't know for how long I was uh, stuck to go out of my house. I hated to come back, and that that um rang a bell so let's see whatever uh and my pastor has been wonderful at helping me because he was personally um taking care of a relative who had depression Ah. and so he was able to tell me like i wrote down a small page of of his suggestion. Oh, and I, uh, so I'll tell you this one suggestion because it popped in my head. Um, to only give yourself a, an assignment one day a week where you get up in the, in the morning for it. And then he said, you only do it one day a week, the second week, one day a week, the third week. So you, you don't have this pressure on you. And then, of course, the goal is hopefully, you know, it grows and multiplies. But mine didn't grow and multiply. <laughs> Give <laughs> it time, quickly, Karen. <laughs> very quickly. But this morning, 
I had a wonderful day. Like, okay, I'm going to tell you yesterday, I felt like in the pits all day, and I I, I told my husband, I, I called about five or so, or text friends, and um, I think I was only able to talk to one of the friends. And I do have a counselor still, which is very helpful. And she she texts me fairly regular and pray sends prayers. And the the thing that I was thinking about doing was taking another pill, which I know I'm not supposed to do. And so I actually talked to the nurse at the hospital too. And of course they always tell you, oh, you you shouldn't do that, and blah, 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 and they tell you why, and blah, blah. And my doctor had mentioned briefly, like, in the the office, psychiatrist, that do I feel like I need to take more, a higher strength? And I said no. And so that, that was in the back of my head. Okay, if I take another one, I'll be okay. So, um, my pastor actually lets me text him too when I just feel like, you know, it's, uh, apropos for him. That's not, I don't do it all the time. (laughs) I don't try to. (laughs) And he has good feedback and suggestions. And, um, so today, oh, that's what I was getting to. Today, I finally got up. This is the third time ever in the last year and a eight months that I went to this aerobics class, which I always thought I would love it. I thought, okay, that'll help me get up in the morning, and it's at 8 o'clock. And so I've had a great day. I ran into, like, three, four, five people that were, you know, like, I either knew them, I worked with one, or I went to a, um, a ladies' brunch with one. Then I ran into another guy who just told me he liked my T-shirt because it was a Christian T-shirt. And so many, um, you know, cool um, connections. Well, you know, it's just like Bill was saying and, and Luther had said, you know, being alone can be the danger on this thing. Oh. And you're connecting. And this is so it's important. The worst. It's the worst. I, you know, I think, uh, Karen, and we're happy for you for a good day today, Karen. That's great. So, yeah, good good, good days are, are, are worthy of celebration in and of themselves. There's a couple of things that you say there that, that, that I was just making a few notes. One is this business about if you are on medication, or even if just you are depressed and concerned about it, mm-hmm. I think it's really wise that three other people who know you know. They know what you're taking and how much you're taking, and you just tell them that. Uh, it's good. It's not good to keep secrets like this. Doctors don't see you enough to monitor what you're doing, and nurses are busy, and sometimes pastors are a little too busy too. But three people who know you and and will kind of just check in, will know to check in. And the other thing that was great, I, I had to smile, is exercise, the oft-overlooked thing. <laughs> you know, I don't care what medication you take, it's good to sweat. And exercise, <laughs> is, seriously, I'm telling you. And, and I know people, I know people who have um, battled long-term, low-level, but long-term depression, 
um, with with exercise and and just getting the body going and feeling better about how you feel physically. It's all integrated. It's all together. So I'm happy you're back in the aerobics class. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've got another call on the line right now. Cheryl from Indianapolis is one of our regulars. Cheryl, welcome to the program again. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Well, thank you for calling in. Yeah, um, today I received a second copy of my October issue of Strength for the Day, and they said the reason you received a second copy is because we sent the first one too early and we didn't want you to lose it. So please share this one with a friend. So that's why I'm calling, because this little uh, booklet that CPH puts out is has been so helpful. You can't get an, too much of God's Word. Oh, that, and, is, that is so true. If you have time... I'd like to read you something that Martin Luther wrote about this topic. They included it in in, uh, in one of the issues. Okay, we've got uh, just a couple of minutes, if you can do it in that time, Cheryl. Okay, I'll try to read fast. It's really good. <laughs> the righteous are wise and well aware of the purpose of the divine will, even though it involves all kinds of adversity. They also know that th- what their proper attitude over against this must be. They know that no enemy has ever been put to flight by a fleeing person. By the same token, no suffering or affliction or death can be overcome by impatience, flight, or search for release, but only by persistently standing one's ground. Therefore, we must be, must be brisk and bold on, on these matters and stand firmly. But who is able to do that? This petition teaches you how you may find peace in such disquietude. You must pray, O Father, give us our daily bread. Mm. That is to say, O Father, with your divine word, comfort me, a poor and miserable wretch. I cannot bear your hand. Therefore, strengthen me, my Father, lest I despair. In his will, that is, in our suffering, God does not want us to run anywhere to run to anyone but him. We are not to seek release from this suffering. No, we must ask for strength to endure endure his will. It is true that no one is able to suffer and to die fearlessly, which God, after all, wants us to do, unless he is strengthened for this. There is no creature that can give us this strength. On the contrary, all creatures, especially man, are more apt to make us weak and inconstant and yielding. Therefore... It is only the Word of God or our daily bread that must strengthen us. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, we read, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And in Psalm 135, My soul has relied on his word. With such teachings, the entire scriptures are full, full, full. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's vintage Luther right there. <laughs> That's beautiful. Cheryl, thank you so much for sharing that. That, that's, that was a wonderful insight. You know, Luther, Luther called these things Anfechtungen. Uh, um, these, were, these were maladies of the soul. And also tentatio, times of testing. Uh, and he viewed these things as necessary. They were part of our mortification. Uh, and in fact, uh, as, as uh, Cheryl's little excerpt noted, they are not to be run from or run around, but run through <laughs> uh, with the confidence that Christ has gone through ahead of us, you see. And so uh, Luther saw these as very necessary. Uh, it's the cross. It's, it's the cross uh, brought to bear 
on the Christian and particularly the the old man and Adam. So uh, uh, that that's that's just a that's I couldn't find my Luther before we got on the air. So Cheryl <laughs> supplied it. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> You know, um, I was thinking, you know, something that also that uh, that Karen had said about uh, when she spoke to her pastor, it wasn't so much that she had learned something new. Because uh, I remember when my late wife was, was in her final stages, I uh, had gone through a pretty bad emotional time myself, and I went to my pastor. And the things that he told me, it it, it wasn't things that I didn't know, but there were things that I'd forgotten and and that was an enormous help to me. Yeah, we're really it's like the psalmist who's constantly reminding himself or being reminded. Uh the life of faith is being reminded of what you already know. Mm-hmm. But in the throes of things, whether it's in the darkness of the pit or the chaos of the world, easy to forget. And that's why being alone is is not a good place because reminders better come from the outside it's hard to talk to yourself when you're not listening see and uh and i think this is where a lot of the people that we've read about and a lot of the situations that we're aware of this this is where the big wrong turning happens we isolate ourselves and that's why i told karen or anybody if if you are feeling depressed if you are worried about your depression if you are just just not feeling yourself let let three people outside of you know three people within your sphere know this uh, and you have this you have a team because i i think it really is a team effort you know before we we run out of time i want to be sure that we talk about something that's readily available online uh, a friend of mine uh, pastor todd peppercorn has written a, a little booklet on this uh, whole idea of depression uh, the the booklet's entitled "I Trust When Dark My Road." I've read it; it's fabulous. A, yeah, a Lutheran view of depression. You can get it off the LCMS dot org uh, website. I'm looking at LCMS dot org backslash document. Do a little search; you can find it, or just search um, that title. I trust when dark my road, uh, Pastor Todd Peppercorn. It'll come up right away as a PDF download. Uh, but he he wrote that, and he's very eloquent and very open. He wrote that about his own uh, experience with depression roughly ten years ago, and and the road that he was on, and the road that he still is on today. And he's very open. He's very honest, uh, and he's very very helpful. Uh, even if you you're not that low, and and the depths that he went to were quite low, uh, literally contemplating suicide on a good Friday. Mm. Uh, and, you know, here's a pastor, here's, here's a shepherd of people, here's somebody who's supposed to be spiritually strong, but he's admitting that uh, he too uh, succumbed, or, you know, deals, wrestles with this kind of anfechtung and this sort of tentatio. And it's, it's in a sense, a comfort to know that there are people like him in the same boat, in the same position. So I would commend that to anybody who is suffering from depression or who knows somebody, uh, or if you just know a congregation member who's a little off or something. This booklet is readily available, and it's a, it's a firsthand account. This is not a theoretical classroom thing. But this is this is from the heart and mind and soul of a Lutheran pastor who's gone through it and is even to this day, whenever I talk to him, he's very open about these things and therefore also very helpful. 
the the help is out there, and, and but I think one of the, the things of depression, as as we pointed out earlier, is that they think that they're beyond help. Yeah, that's the that's the devil's deception in depression. Is my depression is so bad, nothing can help. There's there's no drug, there's no therapist, there's no pastor, there's no prayer, there's no God that could help me through this. And that's a deception. That's a lie. Uh, in fact, one of the things Todd always reminds people: you are you are so not alone in this. Uh, that well, you said the thirty percent increase. Uh, the numbers of people, I think, willing to admit that they're depressed and can't do anything about it or concerned about it or are just, they're, they're increasing, I think, because the stigma is not as great any longer and people are willing to talk about it. And I think it's very important that within the Christian community, within the congregation, we don't see this as a judgment on whether somebody's faith is strong or weak. In fact, our Luther would probably say it's precisely the strong in faith who are the most vulnerable because the devil just hates it. Oh. And, and, and he's going to drive you to the deepest forms of anfechtung and to, to just drive Christ right out of you. And that's where, that's where Luther comes across so bold. It's like, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> well, as you point out, you know, Luther, was, Luther was likely depressive. You know, Melanchthon probably was. Uh, hey, if you were running a Reformation, that would depress you too. I'm telling you, when you, when you read about the conditions in the 15th century, and I'm not just talking bad sewer, bad sewer system, but when when you look at the sewer system of the papacy and the spiritual condition of the church, uh, yeah, you're going to have your moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should imagine. And you know, it, it, and a lot of great people uh, have have suffered from clinical depression. I mean, uh, Lincoln was supposed to have been so badly uh, affected by it that there were times that he just he couldn't move. Uh, Churchill was it oppressive? He freely admitted he called it his black dog. Yeah, I, I can't imagine people who are in significant positions of power and influence and of high public visibility who don't, at some level suffer times of, of depression, whether acute or chronic. And I think, like, for example, it's, we're at an anniversary of Robin Williams' yes. uh, suicide, and it kind of makes us think again. But the, sometimes the people that look the least so in public are the most so in private. You know, his private darkness was masked beautifully in, in a kind of a strange way by this this mad genius of a comedian that just kept us entertained and laughing and and everything else but it's tied together this is this is probably the only the only handhold that he had left in the pit and when that was gone then everything was gone so don't just assume it's the sad people around you sometimes it's the hyper happy people that really have a problem <laughs> They say is a clown crying on the inside. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, Bill, we've run out of time, I'm afraid, and I want to say we've been listening to Let's Talk the Pastors In, and today's guest pastor was Bill Swirla of Holy Trinity Church in Hacienda Heights, California. Every Friday, a pastor sits in with me on the front porch for a friendly chat about whatever's on our minds. Now, if you have a question or you something that you want to talk about, let us know. Email it to us at letstalk at kfuo.org. And I want to give special thanks to Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Laud, and Honor as the theme song for Let's Talk, The Pastor is In. His music and books are available on Amazon.com. I'm host Kip Allen, wishing you God's blessing.
listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.